Hello and welcome to another episode of Des and Marco. This week, we have a special guest. Jay came back to join us. How are you, Jay? I'm doing great, Marco. Having a good morning so far. <laughs> Perfect time for drinking beer. So let's start exactly with that. What are you drinking, Jay? Today, I'll be drinking a Sierra Nevada, which is a California beer. It's called Wild Little Thing Slightly Sour Ale. I'm very excited to try it. I uh, usually like sour beers, so we'll see how this one is. Cool. I'm going to have yet another Dutch beer from the Rabau Brewery, and it's called the Dapper Blonde. It's a hoppy blonde. But this wouldn't be Des and Marco without Des. So, hi Des. <laughs> what are you drinking? Okay, I've got big news, man. Big beer news. So I'm starting off by introducing my beer from a country we haven't reviewed yet. So this is from the Brasserie BFM, which is shorthand for the Brasserie de Franche Montagne. Despite the name, it's actually in Switzerland. So it's a Swiss beer. It is mighty powerful. It's an imperial stout à la résine, and it's called Degustator. So I had to do a little bit of research because I was like, what the hell is resiné? And apparently it's a, well, there's two things. It can be like a boiled wine, but I think in Switzerland, it's actually a paste made from apples and quince and it's used to like sweeten things. So it's an imperial stout made with this paste to sweeten it. But the big news is, is that this beer was given to me by someone who works directly at the brewery. Oh, the guy's name is Rich. So I had a working title for a potential future podcast episode where I was going to call it Rich and Fruity or Rich and Famous, but my personal favorite, Get Rich or Die Trying. Yeah, so he's potentially agreed to come onto the show to talk about beer because our listeners might have realized we're not very good at it. No, I don't think they have. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, Rich, if you're listening, we're waiting We'd love for you to, to join us. Okay, shall we crack these open and get it started then? Yes. Cheers. Cheers. I still can't get over the fact you're drinking so early, Jay. <laughs> well, I wanted to start drinking and it's just the podcast was a convenient excuse. <laughs> Marco, my beer's the same color as your phone. <laughs> so it's bronze. <laughs> It's a mystic bronze. What a great shade of bronze. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think it's safe to say this is pink. The can is pink. The beer is pink. I think it's safe to say Marco's phone is also pink. <laughs> All right. Let's stop talking about my phone, especially because I'm currently grieving because the camera got smashed. So it's currently in the shop getting fixed. So I had to go back to my iPhone. But the good news about that is that now I'm real using hard. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the good news is uh, Apple just came out with a lot of new upgrades as part of their WWDC conference. They did, and we will talk about it later. But first, let's start, like usual, with the news. But wait, don't you have to apologize for something first? <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> I like the apology section. I do actually have an apology. It's a side effect of not fact-checking anything. <laughs> so in our very last episode, which went on live, I reviewed a beer, which I got from Lidl, and I was under the impression that the Perlenbacher brewery name was 
a real brewery. It turns out it's not. And so I have no idea who actually made my beer. That's my apology. I, I reviewed a beer from Lidl. I said it was good and it was good, but it wasn't made by Perlenbacher. It's made by some unknown third entity, which changes depending on the region of the world you're in. Oh, okay. If you work at Lidl and you make this beer, please reach out to us and we'll properly apologize. We'll give credit where it's due because we have no idea who made the beer. Yeah, that could be an, a, a cool overhaul to our beer reviews. They could be like, hey, Des, what are you drinking? I don't know, some beer. <laughs> <laughs> What's it like? It's fine. This is the beginning of the downfall, though, because we've already got Jay drinking like in the early hours of the morning. A month from now, our episodes will be like, I drink what I want whenever I want. <laughs> we'll just be recording podcasts 24 hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good thing Des is editing. But let's actually start with the news or move on to the news. So Hades is one of our favorite video games of last year. We keep playing it. We're highly addicted to it. And it sparked a huge interest in Greek mythology. So now there's a project called the Iliad Project, which is meant to be a reading of the Iliad by Homer. It's going to be out on YouTube and various podcast apps by the end of June, I think June 20th. It's being read by a bunch of people, and one of them is Courtney Vinnies, who is the voice of Aphrodite and Dusa in Hades. It's like a crowdfunded or side project of a bunch of people, and uh, seems pretty interesting. I'm looking forward to it. So they're making a version of the Iliad using the in-game engine? No, it's just a reading of it. So you can listen to it as a podcast. Ah, okay, I get you now. So it's not like you're play, you can watch a playthrough of the Iliad as if it was the game. No, 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 no. Okay. But it, it, no, it's just a reading. And But a bunch of people that worked on the game are part of this project. Yeah, well, the voice acting was spectacular on that. So it will make for some great listening. Yeah, it was one of the high points. Moving on, if you want to see something really funny, you need to watch the latest sci-fi movie called Sunspring. It's very short. It's nine minutes long. And the interesting thing about it is that it was entirely written by Benjamin. Benjamin is an AI. It was fed a bunch of popular sci-fi movies like The Matrix, Blade Runner, Alien, and so on. And based on that, it came up with a script for a movie. So you know how your phone has predictive text when you're writing something? Yeah. Like that. And it came up with this ridiculous nine-minute movie that makes absolutely no sense. If you have nine minutes to spare, you have to watch it. Thomas Middleditch, you re remember him from Silicon Valley, he's in it. This sounds a little bit like Drunk History, but written by a robot. Guys, this ties in so well with, was it one of our early episodes, I Pink, Therefore I Am, where we spoke about artificial intelligence and a really good book called You Look Like a Thing and I Love You, which was all about the limitations of artificial intelligence. And this just ties in perfectly. Yeah, absolutely. But anyway, you should watch it. It's just nine minutes long. We'll link it to this episode. And it makes absolutely no sense. All the dialogues make no, there's no plot. You don't understand what's going on. But the actors are amazing. They just really put their hearts into it and make it look like they're actually acting or that there's an actual story, but there isn't. But the fun fact, or one of the fun facts, is that there's also a pop song in the middle that has been also written by Benjamin, the AI. Basically, they had it learn 30,000 pop songs and came up with a song by itself. And it just makes no sense. It's ridiculous. You should watch it. I've got two things to throw on top here. One, have you seen 
uh, middle ditch in shorts. It's like a freestyle improv show. Thomas Middleditch is one of the two guys who is part of it, but I'd highly recommend it. It's on Netflix. It's it's like laugh out loud funny. Really? But what is it? It's just improv? So Yeah, it's just improv. There's three episodes. I forget which one I liked the most, but they were all really, really funny. They just turned these suggestions into a full-fledged routine and it's like a long form improv and i i would say it's a must watch i don't know if it's on netflix still but i gave it two thumbs up you mean how many beers out of a six pack for this show it's it's over five it's over five whoa beers. yeah i i really liked it a lot the second thing i wanted to bring up related to ai is i've actually been messing around with this ai copywriting tool just to check it out. It's basically, what, what did you say the name of your movie writing AI was? Benjamin? Benjamin. Well, this one is Jarvis. Oh, like the one from Iron Man. Perhaps. I don't know if that's the origin of it, but Jarvis can help you write blog posts, uh, creative stories, Instagram captions, all kinds of things, emails. And I've just been messing around with it. It's kind of a fun thing. We'll see how I use it. I'm not entirely sure, but it's been kind of cool to check out. Oh my God. Can we use it to write the caption for this episode? Genius. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> I'm going to open it up right now. What is your post about? Well, no, whoa, whoa. It should, it should come up with it on its own. Well, you just have, <laughs> like, you have two inputs. What's your post about and the tone of voice. Yeah. And then it gives you a output. Okay. We'll use this as a stepping stone onto our next segment. So this episode, we're planning to talk about WWDC and recent announcements from both Apple and Google. So put that in some way. I don't know. News conference, tech conference. And the tone is drunk. It's morning <laughs> drunk. Okay. Uh, let's see. Apple, Google, tech conference. I don't know if drunk is a recognized tone of voice, but let's see what it says. All right, here's the four outputs it gave me. <laughs> Number one, why is this Apple conference so boring? I'm going to Google it. <laughs> Honestly, that's better than what we could come up with. Num Number two, I'm not saying that Tim Cook is a robot. I'm just saying that if he was one, it would be cool because then we could all get free Apple products and stuff. Number three, the Apple Google tech conference was a real... Banana emoji, carrot emoji, apple emoji. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> uh, I think we're onto a winner. That resonates with our audience. <laughs> and, and this one actually, I think, might be uh, written for Marco. Google and Apple are fighting over my heart right now. I'm so confused. Apple emoji, confused emoji. <laughs> These are actually pretty good. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I'll use that one. And finally, in the news. Amazon bought MGM, so you can expect your Prime video subscription to get much beefier. Hopefully, they'll bring back some amazing franchises. I'm talking to you, Robocop. Can I say, like, the obligatory, I'd buy that for a dollar? Yeah, except they bought it for $8.4 billion. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of Robocop movies. Oh, man. That would be the best. But yeah, they're also, they also own the 007 franchise, among others. There's... 4,000 films and about 17,000 hours of TV worth of stuff. I have a fun fact regarding the acquisition. 
Apparently, it's been in the works for a while, but there is a clause in the James Bond movies which says that it they can make no spin-offs of James Bond and they're not allowed to make any TV movies of James Bond. It's so strict that if you buy the James Bond franchise, you can only make cinema movies. And apparently, Amazon were refusing to buy it under those conditions. Really? I think they must have relented and maybe given assurances they'll do X number of movies or something. But they had to give assurances that there would be no spin-offs, no TV series, or no straight-to-streaming movies. Oh, that's interesting. Because you could totally see this go down, let's say, the Star Wars route, where there's nine movies plus 100 series plus a billion spin-offs and so on. What do you think the angle is then if they don't get that? Is it just to beef up their content or? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, we've been talking about the streaming wars for a few episodes now. Having all of the MGM content on their platform makes it much stronger and I guess, more appealing to customers. And I think we can use this as a segue into what other companies are doing to make their products more appealing to their customers. Smooth as always, Des. Thank you. Yeah, so as Jay mentioned before, WWDC is on, and we've already seen the keynote. A few interesting things have been announced, apart from the new versions of all of their OSs, macOS, iPadOS, watchOS, and iOS. The most interesting announcements were, or one of the ones that I found most interesting was the fact that they opened up FaceTime to Android and Windows users that can, that will be able to access it via a link. So not via a dedicated app. I found that very interesting. And I genuinely think that Apple's arm was twisted to make this decision because this year has been a freak year, but everyone has been video conferencing. Nobody is FaceTiming. Everybody's doing Zoom calls, Skype calls, team calls. No one is FaceTiming for business. And I think Apple's realized that they're losing that mindshare and that people aren't thinking about FaceTiming and they want FaceTiming to be the default option. I don't think it's just for business. Though. They also introduced this share play feature where you can watch or listen to content with others virtually. So you can be watching a Netflix show together or listen to music together and even like help control the music and set the playlist together. I think it's probably definitely um, influenced by the pandemic. It's probably a little later than people would have wanted these features. They would have rather have had them a year ago. But that's, um, I think, more of the consumer angle. But you're definitely onto something there, Des. I never think of FaceTime for making any of my calls. It's uh, Google Meet, it's Zoom, it's those types of things. Is that also for when, for example, when you talk to your family? Because I know that your family, they all have Apple devices. I guess I don't do a whole lot of FaceTiming with my family is the truth. But like when we do, yeah, we use FaceTime, we use Apple. But for work, definitely not. You know, it's all other products. My girlfriend uses WhatsApp video probably more than she uses FaceTime. No, but I, I, I see what you mean. But I think it's also due to geography, as in your girlfriend's from this side of the pond. In Europe, WhatsApp is by far more popular than, than in, the, in the US, I guess. Here, we don't use iMessage or FaceTime that much. But WhatsApp does everything. It comes down to market share, doesn't it? I think Apple owns, what, 80% of the 
cellular market in America. Did you fact check this? I can't fact check that. (laughs) (laughs) I was counting on you, Jay. (laughs) No, I also fact check nothing. Jay Albert, CEO and founder of... (laughs) (laughs) Notfactcheck.com. All right. Uh, Another thing that I thought was actually really, really cool, and I've been wondering why this hasn't happened yet, is in some U.S. states, so participating U.S. states, you'll be able to scan your ID and use your ID on your phone. So it'll appear in the wallet and like together with your, let's say, cards, bank cards or membership cards or whatever. The TSA is going to accept it. So you could fly or you could yeah, take an internal flight with your phone and no ID. Do you think this removes the need for a wallet? Well, I don't know about you guys, but I don't carry a wallet anymore. Because you can have contactless payments here in the Netherlands for basically everything. And I barely need ID. Also, I haven't been doing any traveling in the last uh, few months. That could be a reason, but I don't carry it around. What about you guys? The wallet for me has become a backup to my phone. It's still not indispensable. I still carry my driving license everywhere because it's the only way I have to prove my ID. But for everything else, I use... My mobile phone, I pay with my mobile phone, my emails on my mobile phone, vouchers and club cards and supermarket points. They're all digital. Yeah, exactly. And I think having your ID or your car keys be on your phone is just the next and I guess final step in that direction. Google actually in their IO conference announced that the upcoming version of Android will also act as a as car keys. I, I think those things are really, really cool. But then I get worried, like, what if my phone runs out of battery and I'm stuck, like, with no ID and no car and no, you know, what what all these other things that my phone's now responsible for. Do you know the Ford Mustang Mach-E, the new controversial electric Mustang? They've thought about that and they have the same unlock with your phone feature. If your phone runs out of battery... All the cars have like a digital keypad in the side of the car and you type in your personalized pin and it opens. So anyone with your pin could steal your car? They can get into your car, but they can't steal it. How do you drive it then? I think you'll still need something to start it. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, then maybe in, once you're in your car, you can charge your phone and... Or something along those lines. And then when the police officer pulls you over and asks for your ID and you can say, sorry, my phone's out of battery. <laughs> exactly. And then you get away with a stolen car. I think it all narrows down to what you do with it, as in I'm fine just using the phone because, first of all, I go everywhere by bike. No one ever asks me for ID. I've got a photo of my passport on on my phone. You know, if I would be traveling, then yes, I would be taking my ID. Or if I would be driving, I would be taking my driver's license. But I think it's pretty interesting to have everything on one device. Apple also announced a couple new privacy features did you i know you've talked about privacy in the past did you have a chance to check those out at all i briefly looked at them because i've heard there's been a lot of toing and froing between predominantly facebook and apple and we actually spoke about the changes in ios 14.5 where users can now choose what information gets shared with third parties And I'm probably wrong, but I think they've stepped those up another gear on iOS 15. Yeah, they introduced a couple new things as well. On top of that, uh, for example, they introduced mail privacy protection so you can hide your email address. They did some things like 
now Siri's processing a lot of the voice requests on device, meaning the audio won't be sent over the web. I know a lot of people have concerns about that as it relates to their uh, Alexas and other devices. So they've got a couple interesting new privacy features. It's really interesting to see how many people are actually opting out of app tracking. I think, Marco, you might have mentioned that on a previous episode, right? Yeah, it was as he mentioned, I think, 96%. It was 96%. I mean, times have moved on and the rollout has happened a bit more. So I'm not up to date with the numbers, but it's it's very high. But I can tell you just from my experience, every time an app asks me, do you want to share your data across apps? You instinctively say no. Also because it's usually, I don't know, you download a game and the game wants to track you. No, the game doesn't need to track me. This is a potentially very lucrative resource, which the companies like Facebook are now losing access to. So they're obviously saying, think about the businesses. Apple now has got complete control over your data. It sounds like a good thing because it's one entity controlling your data, but they're arguing that what used to be Facebook's job, i.e. to collect and sell your data to third parties, Apple is keeping that pie to itself. It's basically saying we have the user's data and we can sell that to the advertiser. That's the argument Facebook is making. I honestly don't know the truth. I don't think us plebs will be exposed to the truth. But as a user... It does mean that your data is under Apple's control only and no one else's. Although it's hard to sympathize with Facebook. I, think. I don't sympathize with Facebook, but... But that you, you bring a good point because I don't know if you watched Google I.O. a couple of weeks back where they announced a new version of Android coming out later this year. It was actually pretty funny because Google knows they have to do something about this because this whole privacy thing is giving Apple a lot of credit or like a lot of people are saying apple is doing the right thing so google in a way has to follow but they can't because their whole business model is about collecting data that part of the presentation was really really awkward because they said something along the lines of yes we need to keep privacy in mind privacy is very important we care about our users but also google really relies on this they were talking about how they have to find the right balance between sharing and collecting data and privacy. I genuinely think that this is the next milestone in the sense that we've reached the tipping point, so to speak, where it's becoming more and more of a focus and more at the forefront. We've seen the repercussions of people abusing of your data. People have made accusations and allegations about tampering with elections and targeting vulnerable people with adverts and and misinformation. Most of that won't apply to everyday adverts, and it is a minority, but it's an important minority. And companies are obviously reacting to this. And Apple, I think, is spearheading it. And I think they're definitely going in the right direction. I'm not an Apple fan, but I do value privacy. And it seems like they're the only company which is taking it seriously. Because they're the only company that doesn't necessarily care. Their main revenue streams are from either services or hardware i read articles ages ago where they were saying that the iphone business is bigger than the vast majorities of companies out there i mean even their business from things like airpods are bigger than the vast majority of businesses out there i actually think that you know this privacy angle is going to help keep people within the apple ecosystem if you buy into that and you say okay apple's got my back then you're going to continue to buy more and more of their products and be locked further and further into their 
operating systems. I mean, aside from being good for the consumer to have the choice, I think that's really probably where Apple's coming from. What you're saying, Jay, actually makes a lot of sense because uh, we've been talking about how the difference between iOS and Android or Windows and macOS is kind of blurred at the moment because everything is web-based. And so developers or hardware manufacturers are having a very difficult time differentiating themselves from from the other ones. But Apple is definitely a step ahead because they're able to offer a vast ecosystem where everything talks to each other. And in their WWDC presentation, one of the things that really caught my attention was a demo that they did of having a MacBook next to an iPad, and they were using the trackpad from the from the MacBook to control both devices. And then they put another iMac, I think it was, next to it, and they were using just the mouse and the keyboard from the iMac to control all three devices. So everything just kind of works seamlessly and smoothly. Like we were talking earlier today, it's all designed to keep you locked in and to get you to buy more products. Like if I have a MacBook and an, and an iPhone, then I'm more compelled to get an iPad. I think Apple's integration across the ecosystem has always been top-notch. As an Apple user, I love to see it. I love to see them making all of their technology really work together. As an Apple developer, as part of Real U, I'm a little bit on the fence. I think that a lot of what Apple does is, is great, but when they come out with all these new features... They do kill a lot of the players in their own app ecosystem that are trying to do a lot of the things that they're now rolling out. Just as an example, you know, for Real You, we help you capture your, your moments, your memories, but now Apple is really improving their photos apps and their messaging apps and um, other things like that that start to encroach on our space a little bit. It makes me a little bit nervous. I think there's other differentiating factors for real you. But can you imagine if you're a company that only did, um, you know, IDs or something like that, or only did, um, that's not a good example. Well, we can talk about Tile and the AirTags. So Tile is a company that builds these, like the name suggests, little tiles that help you track stuff. So if you lose your keys, you can kind of use your phone to track them. And now Apple went on and did their own thing. Or, or um, like the, the share play through FaceTime, as we discussed earlier. Like if you were building a, a, a service to help connect people and let them talk while they watch videos or something like that, now your app is irrelevant completely because now FaceTime does that. I think it's awesome that they continue to integrate their apps further but it does make me a little bit nervous at the same time. Mm, I can see how that is happening. Another example, I think, would be their weather app. I think a couple of years ago, they bought the weather app Dark Sky. They announced this week that they're beefing up their own weather app, which was very basic. It was very, here's the weather, here's the temperature. And now they've beefed it up with other features from their acquisition of Dark Sky. And if the standard weather app is good enough, I don't need to have any other ones. Yeah, exactly. Just regarding that note, I used to use Dark Sky on Android and Alexa to tell me the weather. And ever since the acquisition, it's been shuttered. The service has been shuttered on other devices. Maybe the Dark Sky people don't care because they've made their millions, but 
globally speaking, not everybody uses Apple devices. And so that's where we're at. Well, doesn't it just rain there every day, Des? No, sometimes it's windy. (laughs) (laughs) So it's either windy or rainy and windy. There's also sleet and snow. (laughs) Wow. I really envy you. So, Jay, just before you were talking about your point of view as an iOS developer or as from the point of view of someone who has an app, last time you came to talk to us, you had just launched on the App Store, which, uh, again, congratulations for. Um, But now I think it's a couple of months down the line. And how are things? Yeah, things are going well. We're, We're growing slow and steady, but we've got a lot of really exciting things coming up. We're about to do a new uh, version update. We're going to have some cool new updates to the locations features in the app. So you can create custom location names. For example, instead of typing in your address every time, you'll ha- you can write Marco's house and I can write, or you would write home and I would write Marco's house, something like that um, with frequent and recent locations. We've got some other updates coming to the media viewer, the media picker. Um, But the most exciting thing that's coming this summer is recommendations. So we're going to be building sort of a a way for to introduce new ideas to you for inspiration, for moments that you might want to have in the future so that you're not just relying on yourself to think of, you know, the experiences that you want to have. We're going to be feeding you some different experiences that you might like to have that you might be interested in. And that'll help you then jump into the moment and find something that you want to do, invite a friend to share that moment with you. And then once that moment happens, you can capture the story of what happened. You can add your photos to it and really personalize it to whatever that experience was. That's coming this summer. We're already working through developing that and uh, can't wait to share it with everyone when we release it. That sounds super interesting. I wish I had an iPhone to use real you because uh, that's the one thing we're missing just now. But <laughs> no, it sounds really good. It sounds really promising. And I do like the fact that the recommendations feature does actually improve the experience. It sounds like it really improves interactions and engagement. And I like that, but in a non-intrusive way. So I do like that. Yeah, we talked about privacy earlier. And real you, we take privacy very seriously as we talked about in our, our last chat we had together. We're not diving into your other apps. We're not asking to track you. You know, we're not doing any of those things. And even a lot of the things that we built into the app, like the contacts picker and the photo picker, we're using the native Apple components. And so by doing that, it really, you get all the privacy and security of of Apple within RealU as well. That's, I think, something that'll also help differentiate us over time as people come to make these more conscious decisions around their, their privacy and what information apps are using. We're trying to make the application feel as native as possible so that you have a great experience on your Apple device. And we're going to definitely do the same thing when we get to Android as well. Cool. Thank you for the update, Jay. And we look forward to hearing more from Real You. And now that I'm back on the iPhone, I'll be using it a bit more. I think it's time to wrap it up. So let's let's go over our beers. Do you want to start, Jay? Sure. So just a quick reminder, I'm drinking the Wild Little Thing by Sierra Nevada. Sierra Nevada is probably best well known for their IPA. 
which is really good. Recommend it if you haven't tried it. I had pretty high expectations for this, and I think it disappointed a little. What? It's a slightly sour ale, and it is just slightly sour. Like, it doesn't have too much of a tang to it. It has some fruity flavors, like it's sort of a, a guava flavor, I would say, like a, I don't know, some some kind of tropical fruit like that. But it doesn't really have as much power to it as I thought it might. So I would say this is a, this is a 2.5 out of 6. Oh, I think that's one of, or if not the lowest score we've ever given. Oh, really? Can I counteract that by giving the highest score we've ever given? Wait, you mean it's better <laughs> than the Blue Moon? Yes. Uh, a quick recap. So I am drinking a beer called Degustator Imperial Stout a la Resine. It's a Swiss beer by the Brasserie BFM. Uh, this is a relatively young brewery founded in 1997. And the story behind its inception is quite interesting. So the head brewer is a guy called Jérôme Rebete. I think that's how it's pronounced. He has actually studied making wine. So I think it's called Enology. But he had a passion for beer. And he took part in a televised TV program and he won it. And with that money, he set up the brewery. And he's now one of the pioneers in Swiss artisan brewing. If this is what he produces, I am impressed. I'm drinking what's called a Imperial Stout a la Resine. And as I mentioned, Resine is kind of like a, a red wine reduction, but made with apple and quince. The beer has got a slight effervescence. It's very dark, but it's got a, just a hue of red in it, like red wine. And it's just amazing. It's so good. It's packed full of flavor. They describe it as having a pleasant roundness with roasted and balsamic notes dominating the nose. I don't really taste all of that. I taste like a slight red wine undertone and this very subtle effervescence, which kind of just goes all the way through. It's really good. So I'm giving it a full six out of six. Wow. That's solid. Solid score. Um, I don't <laughs> care. It's a solid six out of a six pack. It's incredibly good. And I think it comes down to the fact that it's a small branch brewery and, you know, they really put passion into what they do. Really good. So um, I'm definitely not buttering up Richard to come on the show. <laughs> I genuinely do like it. Wow. And listen to you. You almost sound like a beer reviewer now. Our second six out of six. And actually, this is the only real one because the other one was just done out of spite. So I'm having a blonde beer by the Rabau Brewery. It's kind of strong for a blonde beer. It's like 6.5. And it's pretty fresh. And there's a hint of fruitiness, maybe a hint of sweetness, kind of like honey. But I really like it. It's pretty good. So I'm going to give it a four and a half out of six. Okay. So quick recap. First of all, thank you again to Jay Alberts, CEO of Real You, the personal media app, which is great. If you've got an iPhone or an iOS device, please go download it. It's really good. And we've just gone over some of the announcements of the latest WWDC with some of the interesting features and changes which Apple has announced and Google's I.O. conference also trying to challenge the same topics. We also talked about AI, writing movies and uh, Instagram captions. So look forward to us outsourcing all of our content to an AI. <laughs> Including the title of this episode. Ooh. Oh, that's good. Okay, and on that note, I think we can call it a day. Yeah. Thank you for joining us, Jay. And thank you so much for listening. Thanks for having me, guys. See you next time, guys. Bye.
smooth as always, Des.